I'd like to speak to you a few minutes about education in serious joy for the sake of survival in leadership. And I could say for the sake of survival, period. But my assumption behind the education we do at Bethlehem College and Seminary is that everyone is a leader at some level. So it's not merely that we aim to help you survive, but that we aim to help you survive for the sake of leading, that is for the sake of loving other people wisely enough to get them to where God says they should be. Christian education never terminates on the educated. It's always for the sake of their influence on other people for their good, especially their eternal good. And in that sense, all Christian education is for the sake of leadership, helping other people by loving them wisely to get where God says they should be. We wouldn't be wasting our time to talk about education in serious joy for the sake of survival, period. Life does bring enough obstacles, threats, setbacks, depletions to warrant that effort. But that's not what I'm going to talk about. Leadership presents us with more depleting setbacks than life. Try to love someone, try to love some group wisely enough to move them to where God says they should be and the setbacks in your life will multiply. And then add this, the last 14 months. All around the world, Christian leaders have found the last 14 months to be peculiarly depleting. Families, churches, schools, parachurch ministries, associations, businesses, in all of them, the complexity and the heat of controversy and accusation have been many leaders say, unparalleled in their lifetime. Barna Group published a survey just a few weeks ago in which they said that 29% of American pastors have seriously considered quitting in the last year. So my focus for these few minutes is education in serious joy for the sake of survival in leadership. Now, at this point, I want to draw our attention with inexpressible gratitude and thanks to God and to Tim for President Tim Tomlinson's leadership of Bethlehem College and Seminary for the first 12 years of its existence. He has not only survived, but he has thrived 
And because of him, under God, the school has thrived. Now, how he did that, how you did that, Tim, and how we should do it is what we now turn to. During the long, drawn-out, conflict-laden transition between King Saul and King David, at one point, David took 600 men <clears throat> and their families into Gath, the land of the Philistines. And under the protectorate of King Achish, he stayed and was given a city, Ziklag, for him and his 600 men and their families. The day came when Achish and his mighty men were going up to make war on King Saul in Israel. David had won King Achish's trust. <clears throat> he was in the battle line. And when the mighty men from the Philistines found out that David was in the mix, they said to Achish, absolutely not. If he goes with us, he will turn on us in order to ingratiate himself with Saul and thus be brought home as a hero instead of an outcast. He's not going. Achish capitulated to his mighty men and sent David and all of his men home. It was a leadership humiliation. The worst was yet to come. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters taken captive. And then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. No more strength. Depleted. Not only had David been rejected and humiliated by King Achish and the Philistines, but now everything they own and all of their families were gone and they didn't know if they would ever see them again. And that included David's own wives, Ahinoam and Abigail. And the worst was yet to come. Verse six, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and his daughters. David had led them years. He had procured a city for them. He had been victorious in all of his battles on their behalf. He had provided for them booty and safety and a place to live. 
He was their hero. He was their champion. And that's why they followed him. He was a leader. And now they want to kill him. How do you survive as a leader such a series of devastations and depletions? Humiliation before his people, devastation of his city and the families, and murderous accusations from those who were once his greatest supporters. What good is a Christian education in college or seminary if it doesn't prepare students to survive that? At Bethlehem College and Seminary, we build, at least it is our aim, to build into you, students, six habits of mind and heart. They're on the walls, they're in your folder. Careful observation, accurate understanding, fair evaluation, proportionate feeling, wise application, compelling expression. Without those habits of mind, you will be of little use to anyone in any situation. <clears throat> Without careful observation, you're going to be run over by a truck. Without accurate understanding, you'll always miss the point. Without fair evaluation, you will drink sweet poison. Without proportional feeling, you will take your jackhammer to a broken heart. Without wise application, you'll be sidelined as useless in every group. And without compelling expression, everything you learn will be bottled up and you will serve no one. To survive as a leader, these habits of mine must be in place and they must be active. And that is not what makes education Christian. Christian education, what makes those six habits of mind and heart Christian is when they are received and experienced and pursued in Christian ways. That is, they are received as gifts of grace bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. They are experienced in the reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit. They are pursued for the glory of God. That makes them Christian. Christian education is grounded on and permeated by the convictions that the glory of God is the goal of all things. And the cross of Christ is the ground of all grace. And the power of the Holy Spirit is the key to all holiness. But those six habits of mind and heart done in those 
three Christian Trinitarian ways is not the peculiar flavor that Bethlehem College and Seminary adds to the banquet of Christian education. The flavor that we add to that glorious picture, and it is glorious already, and we embrace it entirely, is Christian hedonism. We believe that the receiving of those six habits of mind, those six habits of heart, as blood-bought gifts of grace, should be a joyful receiving. We believe that the experience of reliance upon the power of the Holy Spirit to live them out should be a joyful reliance. And we believe that the pursuit of the glory of God in those six habits should be a joyful pursuit. But that is not the essence of Christian hedonism. Here's the essence. We believe that the worth of the blood of Christ, the worth of the Spirit's power, and the worth of the glory of God cannot be glorified, magnified, adored, exalted, made much of as it ought to be if the receiving, the experiencing, and the pursuing is not done in joy. It is the joy that magnifies the worth of the blood and the worth of the spirit and the worth of the glory of God. If you do not delight in those three massive treasures, you don't glorify him as he ought. That's the essence of what we add as an ingredient to Christian higher education. Now, what does that have to do with David devastated and depleted in the ruins of Ziklag? I'm going to read verse 6 again and finish it this time. David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Four observations. Number one, David needed strengths that he didn't have. Strength to think straight in a moment of crisis. Strength to feel hope when nobody else does. Strength to make wise decisions under enormous murderous pressure. Strength to move his legs to get to Abiathar and lift up the ephod and call upon the name of the Lord. He did not presume 
in any self-sufficiency. Number two, when it says he strengthened himself, <laughs> it does not mean that the self of David was the source of the strength, right? That's not the point, that the source of the strength was David when he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. The strength was in God. David was united to his God. He strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Not a God, not the God, his God. His God. David was bound, united by a covenant with Yahweh, the God of Israel. Isaiah, the prophet, said, I don't know if you've ever thought this or heard this before, that every single person in this room, Isaiah said, may be in the same position David is in, in relationship to the covenant God made with David. Let me read it to you. Oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money, come by and eat. Come buy wine and milk without price and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. You want to be David? You want to have the covenant that God made with David? Be thirsty for God. Be empty in yourself. Be desperate for help. And Isaiah says, it's yours in David and in the new David. I can do all things through Christ, the incarnate God of David, who strengthens me. Finally, number four, observation number four. What was the experience like when David was strengthened in the Lord his God? What did it feel like? David wrote a psalm about his experience among the Philistines, Psalm 34. The psalm is not attached to the Ziklag experience, but the wider experience, and therefore I'm applying it to the Ziklag experience. And I'll read you what it was like for David to strengthen his hand in God. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears those who look to him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Let the humble hear and be glad. That's what it was like. 
as they wanted to kill him. He sought the Lord. The Lord heard. David tasted. He tasted the goodness and power of God. His face became radiant. You remember when Jonathan went into the forest when he wasn't supposed to and he ate, tasted some honey and it says his eyes became bright. When you taste God, your eyes become bright. Your face is radiant with hope, tear-stained radiance. We're talking serious joy here. And David called out to all the humble, join me in my gladness. <laughs> Let the humble hear and be glad. Now there wasn't anything trite. There wasn't anything glib. There wasn't anything shallow about this gladness. It was serious joy very serious situation. The joy of the Lord was David's strength. And when David followed up the command, join me in my gladness. When he followed up that command with this one, magnify the Lord with me. Verse two, verse three. Join me in my gladness. Magnify the Lord with me. He meant do these two things because the Lord will be magnified in your being glad in him. Christian hedonism was at the very heart of how David survived the depletions of leadership. And I have found it to be so for 50 years. So my prayer for you, graduates especially, although this applies to all of you, my prayer for you graduates is that when your efforts to love people wisely meets with devastating depleting setbacks, you will know how to strengthen your self in the Lord, your God. You will call upon the Lord and you will taste that he is good and this taste will rise to the level of a profound soul satisfaction that is better than anything the world can offer. And your heart will be made so glad in the Lord, seriously glad in the Lord, that this gladness will be your strength and will show God's infinite worth. Father, that's my prayer spoken, and now it's my prayer sent vertical to you. May everybody in this room know how to strengthen themselves in the Lord, their God. 
for the sake of wisely leading people from where they are to where you say they need to be. In Jesus' name, amen.